What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Outrun Show. On today's episode, I speak loudly, <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about should parkour athletes bench press? Is there a benefit to bench pressing, and why isn't everyone in parkour bench pressing and treating it with all of the same respect and regard that it gets treated in a lot of other sports and activities? And then our main topic today is how to tell someone that they are not doing parkour and you know in in relationship to that what isn't parkour that often gets called parkour and how do we sort of explain what it is that we don't do sometimes we have those sort of cringe moments where someone's like hey that's parkour and you're like mm, not quite but all that and more on today's outrun show Be more synthy, like. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was that, that's the value of an eighty C and say. The synth and say? I like it. Yeah, like that. like sensei. No, they're like the C and say. Like you know, it's a little circular thing where you point at the animal and you pull the string and then it goes. Tigers go. Oh my gosh! I yeah. That's you pretty did, old. That's a toy. real thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm and press the button and then instead of pulling it. Okay. Uh, so let's start out with our opening topic, which was bench press and should parkour athletes be doing that? Should they be bench pressing? And if they are doing it, are they doing it too much? Is there such a thing as too much bench? Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the things that are stopping. Um, parkour athletes from doing bench press is access to a bench press. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just weights in general. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I don't. It's true. You definitely have access to a bench press. Um, because <laughs> we well, have, just we, recently we, right? we own an entire gym. No, yeah, <laughs> that was recent though. No, like two, two years three years ago. That we got that bench room. Yeah. Yeah, Angus gave us that bench like right. three years Wait, ago. Like, but two I think ago. we. I think parkour athletes should. Only because I think I should. This sometimes speaking about myself when I say parkour athlete should. Cool. Because we just really don't look that good with our shirts off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I train a lot with parkour people, and the chest is definitely the most underwhelming part. Like you, you think parkour athletes gonna be so ripped, and then they take their shirts off, and it's like. It's, I don't think parkour athletes are gonna be so ripped. As a matter of fact, I had the opposite I impression. Don't think- I watched a bunch of these guys in the UK in like oversized clothing and joggers and I just assumed that they're emaciated and I'm actually quite impressed when they have shirtless moments and I'm like, oh man, that guy's like got a good physique. Like he, he's, he's probably 20 pounds under what he would be if he did, you know, just lifting or something. But like underweight parkour athletes is usually the aesthetic issue, not. It's true. And I think we talked, yeah. I think we talked before about whether or not like what we predict the future aesthetic oh yeah the future uh, or the aesthetic. physiology yeah. of like the future parkour athlete will be on another episode yeah Colin you can link that one out rewind TBT but I definitely agree with Justin that like there's if aesthetics is like that's that's a good enough reason for some people if and this is if you care about your the way that you look Mm. If you don't care about the way that you look, then, hey, more power to you. I wish I had that confidence. I do care about the way that I look. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I do want to have... You become about, self-conscious. Yeah, I'm also married, so I got to yeah, I gotta keep, you know, her interested. So, yeah, she'll you know, like, be good. Yeah, she'll be like, you ain't got no chest, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, a lot of the aesthetic, though, that comes from what you're talking about is actually an underdeveloped back because the, I think there are studies out there on, like, the aesthetics... Um, and actually the back, both in males and females, um, statistically is considered one of the, the shoulders and the back are the, one of the, um, few parts of the physique that just everyone loves. Everyone loves a good V shaped back. It doesn't matter who you are. Apparently it's I, I just will a give great it thing. To parkour athletes, they tend to have really good lats. Yeah. Because we do so much pulling work, mm-hmm. right? And climbing work that they tend to have really good lats. The so, shoulder stuff comes more from the pressing and that's the upside down and that's the bench press that we're talking about right now in this moment um i actually am gonna say 
Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's really needed. I, I would say, I'll say this. If, you're, if you don't have access to this information, if you don't have access to this one tip, then you should do bench press. But I think that if more people trained, like range of motion, um, progressively loading, um, push-ups on like rings. So, but that in a way is kind of bench press, but just a little more mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like you're training yeah. that, that forward pushing, that bent, bent arm pushing. And the reason I think that's important is because not only in hypertrophy, hypertrophy, right? Which is the growth of the muscles, uh, even, even like athletes who are weightlifters know you know, for aesthetics, know that the way you look. So if you don't know what aesthetics is, you guys, that's the, the way you look. Okay. So uh, for the younger audience. <laughs> so it, if you go through that full range, the further you get in the range, the more the more stretch you get in the muscle. So the bench press is somewhat inhibiting in that the bar stops at the chest. And if you're already super yoked up top, then you may, you, you're going to diminishing returns on how deep you can go in it. But the rings actually allow you to go very as deep as your shoulder range of motion will will healthily or safely hopefully yeah. allow you to go and that gets a greater stretch reflex so i think that i think that maybe if i were especially since a lot of park athletes are younger athletes if i were going to push them a direction i would say doing ring progressively loaded ring push-ups yeah. it's also cheaper also rings are, rings are like 30 bucks on amazon and you can hang them off your dad's arms mm -hmm. so like that's true you could just do your rings that way. Bench press can definitely be. That being said, you can also do floor press. That's an option as well. Or you can You're do not get full range of motion, but the um, what are they? Dip bars, parallettes. Parallettes. Ah. Yep. Parallet took me only two this time. That was cool. Yeah, that was. Great. I use yoga blocks. Yoga blocks. Yeah. That seems really dangerous. How many yoga blocks are you stacking? Yeah. It's ten. Not excited. Dangerous. Six <laughs> yoga blocks. Imagine no, like super <laughs> <lights. laughs> The full ones. Trying to get through there. That's intense. So you're saying you're saying yes if they don't have access, but a better alternative would be some, like essentially a ring press, uh, like a, a a horizontal ring press. Yeah, I just think yeah the ring the ring pushups. I actually just am gonna install some in my house because the ones outside are good, but sometimes the temperature even I'm too lazy to go out and deal with them in the winter or whatnot. Dude, that's why I instituted freaking taxes at your house. Every time you enter and exit the door, you have to pay your taxes. Right, but sometimes I, but also those, taxes, though, I? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so the other problem with it is like that, the, the straps for that one, I like them because they have the carabiner on them and it makes it really easy to pull them on, pull them off and adjust, but they're not very long. So I can't actually get them uh, into the, the push-up position. Sport. It's all hanging. But I recently splurged on these, on this ridiculous product that essentially just has like, you can hook the, um, the pull-up on anything and then you just adjust the strap it's got a cable retractable cable on it and so you can just be like you know pull up height mm. push up height and if you want to take it off you can take it off and that because sometimes if i'm trying to like i don't want to look really like industrial in my house like i've got a bunch of like you know meat hooks hanging around or something like yeah. that so that's why i got that because i can take them off real easy right. so i would say yeah uh bench press anything you can you, you're doing that's sort of building strength i don't think Unless it's detracting from something else. Like some people are hardliners. They're like, no, just like don't bench press. I've bench pressed before. I've gotten, you know, benefits from it. I just think that, is, that range of strength for parkour is more important than gross strength, I think. And mm -hmm. if I can only lift maybe, if I can only bench press, let's say 40 or 60% of which you can bench press, but I can do it through a broader range of motion, I'm probably going to find more application for that in parkour than obsessing Most on likely, bench. Yeah. yeah. What's your thought? Me? Uh, oh, uh... <laughs> he just wants also, I, I also think do. that yeah. having more mass on your chest might help you flip better. Because it raises your center of gravity, and so you're able to flip around your shoulders easier, instead of if your mass is lower, then your flip rotation is... Dude, and parkour athletes, they got badonkadonks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's accentuated yeah. by the smaller upper body. Yeah, right? Like... They're like, they're center mass suiting them. <laughs> so that was my thought. I, but I don't, I think that actually for jumping a lighter chest and a lighter upper body is probably, you just want to get yeah. strong enough that you can use your upper body to contribute to the jump. Yeah. Strong enough to climb up. And even if you're talking about things like climb ups, maybe laches where you're getting a little more benefit from that, from that upper body weight, right? But if you don't want climb ups, anything you can do to make yourself lighter is going to make life easier. Yeah, I think there, so there might be a little bit 
and diminishing conflict. Returns. Is they conflict? conflict? That's well, yeah, it's, it's, it's flipping. Okay. You don't want too much weight on your legs. You want to be. You want to be able to get them above you. Right. So if your center of, uh, uh, yeah, if your your center mass, weight, center mass there is, uh-huh. is above or heavier than your shoulders and your upper body, then it, they're gonna want to come back down. Yeah. So having a, a heavier anchor point that you're flipping around. Good, but then you'd want. Then you could just lose weight in the legs. That's why you see those gymnasts just have those like early like. Yeah. Frail, maybe not frail, but frail and flexible. Uh, and, uh, gymnasts tend to have pretty beefy legs too, but yeah, they definitely have more yoked up. Just so stocky everywhere. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, your What's your take? For me, I think yes. I think I think you need to be doing it. Uh, maybe not regularly. Not like like back squat, heavy weighted back squat. As a parkour athlete, I always say like you should be doing that at least once a week. Like just keeping on that right mm-hmm. um bench press you probably don't need to do that much but you do need to know like where you're sitting at um because you might be able to do all sorts of cool stuff and then you go to do bench press and you're like struggling to get like 105 pounds up mm-hmm. right or you can only rep it like five times then you know that there's maybe some imbalances in your strength that you need to work out now i'm not saying you need to rep 225 on bench or anything like that but you should probably jump in there and check it out it's also really good for your shoulder health, right? Most people end up benching and they end up like actually using too much shoulder because mm. they're not locking the scaps back. Mm-hmm. And I think just the the ability to know like I can push with my arms while keeping my scapula retracted yeah, is an important skill that we don't do a lot in parkour because mm-hmm. we're just doing so much dynamic movement. And bench press is a really easy way to isolate like can you hold an isometric position in the scapula while pushing with your arms? Yeah. Right. And that's not something we do a ton. When we do, when we do our climb ups, for example, um, we tend to just push with everything, right? But it's good to be able to know, like, I'm pushing now with, you know, my chest and my triceps, and then, you know, my shoulders come into the movement to add to that, rather yeah. than it's all just one big punch. And with that logic, maybe even the decline bench might be. Mm-hmm. Probably a better one, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, honestly, str- regular bench press, probably not the most ideal decline or um, incline bench press or, like, push press are probably your, yeah. your, more, your better bang for the buck. But Yeah, you need some like, pressing. I mean, you really do. But the other yeah. thing is, too, is a lot of people are going to... I think the problem with weight training in general that I've noticed is that the impulse to overload the lift comes before the intention of learning how to retract like when people go and they sit down on the bench to go do a bench press like only a few people that i've ever seen are thinking like oh, i'm gonna work on my scapular retraction and then i'm gonna just externally rotate a little bit before i go in and load this or midline's tight feet are pushing to the ground i'm gonna make sure all my force going downward is contributing to pushing away from like you don't run into a ton of that it's usually people quarter repping more weight than they should until their shoulder starts to hurt Yep. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, I have a rotator cuff tear yeah. from a bench press, which is really weird." Yep, it happens though. Using your it happens rotator though. Rotator cuff in a bench press. There's some sort of struggle, but so bottom line, start light maybe. Work on your technique. I mean, that seems like very Check basic advice that no one's gonna take, but if you if you, if you <laughs> haven't done bench, watch a couple YouTube videos. Try it, check it out, see if it does anything for you. Most likely, if you haven't done it before, you'll find some sort of benefit, whether it's aesthetic, and you'll be like, dang, I look good up here. Or you might find that you get some strength gains that were unintentional, and that's mm-hmm. great. If you're already hitting bench, cool. Keep doing it, I guess. It doesn't hurt you, that's for sure, until you get too focused on the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, your technique's not there, or you're like just getting just monstrous pecs, yeah. and now you're too heavy to jump. So, I think it's I think it's good. I don't think you should like jump in on there every day and be like I'm a bench monster now. Yeah, it, and it's always good if you're serious about what you do and you're and you're a little bit older. I think that the, I also run into is like the ring thing too is like that's probably not going to be some if you're a teenager or you're just an adult if you're adolescent messing around with trying to do pushing on the rings is is not going to be bad for you. No, but like you know people under sixteen probably don't need to be. Bench pressing, bench pressing, in my opinion. Yeah. So, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're, if you're under sixteen, I like that age. Although stick with the body weight friends, stuff. Just stick with yeah, and you can load a little bit of the body weight stuff, but you don't need to get crazy. Yeah, if you can't do a push up, what are you benching? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, all right.
Uh, okay, so on to our next topic, which is the primary focus of the podcast. And this was a question um, from an avid listener and uh, and the producer. <coughs> so, uh, <laughs> Colin, Colin got to ask a question recently. So one of the, the question was basically, how do we describe, you know, physically what is parkour and what more, you know, maybe an easier way to approach it is what is not parkour? And when you're having conversations with people and they're saying, yeah, but what is it that you do? And that all seems kind of dangerous. What, uh, how do you explain your experience, your personal experience with that, assuming that it's not, and it really shouldn't be. So what is not parkour? Um, does anybody want to start with that? I have some ideas, uh, but I I've already had some ideas. I want to hear what you guys have to say because I don't want to like... Yeah, generally if the focus is on the obstacle more than the person, I would say you're in a reality show. Okay, all right. If the focus is, uh, if you fall into water, or if you fall into something, uh, and and everyone's tackling the same course, and you're naming the uh, the obstacle some crazy name, I think the focus is on the obstacle. And is this PTSD from your Ninja Warrior rounds? No, it's not. Would you say you didn't fall in water? I did fall in water. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I gotta post the video, huh? <laughs> I think yeah. I have it actually somewhere. So. Do you? Okay. I don't think I, I, I witnessed it at two in the morning. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. In Denver, but I, don't, I didn't actually. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. We can show it. But yeah, I think yeah. If you're, so you're doing some, if you're doing a, if you're doing something and it's uh, the focus is on the the box or the or the thing or the trampoline, then you're doing a different sport. So I think that the. That, that, that that's I thought about that recently and I feel like it's a bit of a double-edged sword with parkour because really we want to say that the focus is on the individual right that there's an internal focus and that's why parkour better aligns with like the movement arts like martial arts dance you know you know b-boys stuff like that typically we align ourselves with that instead of like a team sport because the focus is on the individual but you can't say that there is no focus on an apparatus because what a lot of what makes parkour special really what makes parkour special is the environment. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe if we're saying that the no, yeah. individual well, is what the focus is in the environment, not I mean, the... they're both a focus, but if the if the the more, most exciting part is watching the obstacle do something to the person... Uh, <laughs> so if the tool becomes too specialized... <laughs> then you're watching white, right? Then you're watching white, right? So the tool becomes too specialized, right? Because typically yeah. we don't see things like in parkour and application and in and i prefer to say versus is or isn't one of the things i've uh i've been working on saying is is just this is just what we value the culture tends to value this and not that because you can you'll see parkour athletes go into these other disciplines <clears throat> like ninja warrior or whatever if you want to call that or ocr and just slay maybe not as much ocr because a lot of running in between and we don't cardio that hard so that yeah. could be that um, but the focus is on the apparatus and a lot of these things. So you've got like a salmon ladder, you've got mm-hmm. even even some of the obstacle course stuff in OCR, like rope stuff and well, yeah, things. I mean, the and mud. The mud gets more focus than people, I feel like. The mud. It's the name of the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing, actually. Right. So, yeah. It's true. And so there's that focus there. And that's because that's a distraction from, I think, what parkour is. I think it's worth noting that, like, parkour is very nebulous in that it can adapt the skills that are in there can adapt to very a lot of other areas right like you see stunt work has very heavy parkour focus and we've seen that shift in the past like you know 15 years or so where like movie stunts from movies used to be very martial arts focused mm-hmm. right you think like Jackie Chan who was like a it really was like an original parkour person right in the mm-hmm. way that he moved um but the stunt work that was very martial arts and wire and string and has now shifted into more parkour where you see people doing vaults and wall runs and climbs and tacks and you know flips and things of that nature. Um, that shift happens, stunt has it, um, OCR has it where they have like wall runs mm-hmm. and like they have you, you know, vaulting and crawling under things. Those are skills that we teach. Um, Ninja Warrior obviously has some like parkour skills in there, mm-hmm. um, just in that it's an obstacle course. So there's a lot of like areas that that take heavily from the skills of parkour, but are not parkour. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like running happens in a lot of different sports, but that doesn't make basketball a running sport. 
even though they're running back and forth pretty much the entire game, right? So I think it's worth noting that parkour is very similar in that, mm-hmm. in that case. It almost kind of floats in between a um, the distinction of being like a broader like movement discipline and that it's like everything humans can do independently and then the over specialization at the bottom might be the you know you have to have so at the top you would have everything a human can do all right and then at the bottom you would have because we all know what it is you know a, a salmon ladder or a warp wall right as a feature that's very specialized but requires a human to do it and parkour sort of floats in the middle in that the focus is on the individual, but it's not just so broad that you could say parkour is anything. It is a bit nebulous, the description, because a lot of people have different definitions. And we, as a community, generally value people who aren't willing to say, to define it exactly. But there are certain things on the spectrum that we get closer to that we value. And and, and at the core of that is not these specific techniques on specific apparatus. You might be able to say the liché is something that is parkour. We've talked about this in the past. And that the lache is maybe one of the most parkour parkour things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but a lache is is a is a swing and a release from a bar, but technically anything you can get your hands on and swing and release from that could be from a branch, that could yeah. be from part of a um, building, that could be from a little like nubby edge of something if you had strong enough hands and maybe some really good grip strength, right? So there's so there's that. So I have in, so interestingly enough. Um, do you guys know what we're talking about, what it's not, and why you might be drawn to say it is other things? It's pretty easy to get to why it's not some of the TV show stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but why isn't it some other things? And, and do you guys know where does where does parkour come from? Like, what's the discipline that comes before parkour on the evolution of parkour and the lineage of parkour? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking, like, the philosophical upbringings of... Um, you're talking about like a literal discipline like what precursors like Iberia stuff uh nothing really there was like coursework for like I believe it was like the French military and um we have method natural well yeah but that's that's pretty much the origin of it there's nothing before that well I'm sure if you want to no no let's start with that because the because what I'm saying is what I'm trying to draw attention to is that that is was at least the inspiration for the discipline in the like the in the origin of parkour but the as a as a discipline but the focus in that also included things like swimming and uh, yeah and object manipulation is another thing so we don't manipulate ops uh, we typically don't manipulate objects right so throwing and catching is typically not in wouldn't say it isn't parkour completely, but really, is there any? There's no throwing and catching in parkour. I would be willing to say that it's not parkour. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd be willing to go that far, and I think that's why there, there's a pretty big distinction between like what are like movement gyms and what are parkour gyms, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a a pretty big characteristic is that like movement gyms are focused more on the natural side of like what all can humans do, and sh- should they do them? Right? Yeah. Exactly, and I think you're right because the um, you know parkour. Let's put it in contrast with other things. We've kind of gone one direction of the of the TV stuff, but on the other end of it, on the other side, I feel like a broader approach would be like a method natural or like a um, you know what what all can humans do the with catching, throwing. The other elements that I think go into that too are um, combatives. Right, mm-hmm. so parkour is not. You some people some people describe it as a French martial art of escape or something. Yeah. Right, I've heard it described that way. Eh. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, if you yeah, if you In want to tie it directly to like one one nation or one region, but I don't know if I would. Uh, obviously, there's like the history aspect of it, but. Again, it's not like people haven't been running and doing obstacle courses all across the planet since the dawn of human civilization, you know? It's true. But you would say that that is, like, let's say if we encountered um, a, an earlier group of humans who had skill sets that were comparable, let's say maybe they were even using a lache, they were in an environment where they had access to um, some branch work or something like that that would, that would help in that way, or there was older scaffolding, right? Mm-hmm. So imagining like some sort of like you know environment where those those op those sort of general 
um, objects presented themselves enough that you could develop a, a discipline of, of using them either in for whatever application, fun or combatives or whatever, swinging on on bars and the techniques were similar. I mean, would you that you would we would still value that as parkour? If we were go back in time, we would look at it through the lens and we'd be like, oh, that dude's got great lachets, right? You wouldn't yeah. mm-hmm. you you would still say that's a lachet. That is still parkour is how we value it today. Mm-hmm. They weren't calling it that, but. We might call it that if they started fighting, we'd be like, "That's no longer." <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's yeah, that's no right. that's no longer parkour. Uh, swimming was the other one we were talking about. We don't <laughs> no, swim. Swimming is not parkour. Swimming is typically not parkour. Um, what else is there? So we've got combatives. I think object ma- manipulation, as we would generally describe it, is not. That's lifting, throwing, catching, um, striking people with stuff, and striking people. <laughs> Says we're not combatives, right? That's not getting so, hit by objects. Getting hit by objects, we try to avoid it, although it makes it all over the internet. So that's not parkour. Um, I think climbing is the toughest one. Bouldering or buildering in particular, I think. That, buildering that's, in particular. that's pretty new, actually. I mean, descents and and building routes. So what's building? I explain that so that people have some sort of an idea of that. I, uh, it would be like bouldering on buildings. So you're climbing without. You're not going very high, I would imagine, but it's using urban structures for your climbing routes instead of natural formations. And generally, you're not using a harness. No. Yeah. Right. No harness. you not like chalk bag or climbing shoes or anything like that. You're just mm-hmm. like, you're going out in athletic clothes and climbing a building. Mm-hmm. Which yes. I think, uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have said building is parkour, mm-hmm. but I think that, that would be quite the controversial thing to say yeah. <laughs> right now. I still feel like in like in I feel like it is a little not parkour. There's a to the chunk of it, but since so many parkour athletes are doing it, I think it's just going to be included pretty soon. Is it because it's just not? I think parkour may be growing out of stuff that's super broad and sort of having some niche skills. Is it because it is it because that's a narrow focus of the skill set? Is because we would if if it was light buildering, you know, several years ago. And somebody was like, well, I'm going to build her here, and then at the top, I'm going to hit a few jumps, and then I'm going to do this descent. You would have said that's parkour. There's, you wouldn't have disagreed with that. But only doing that part of it somehow makes it feel less... I would say it's not. I would say it's not in the same way that like just because some OCR people are you know, vaulting over logs in, in mm-hmm. you know, the tough mudder means they're not doing parkour, it just means that like just because we're climbing on the side of the building to get to the top doesn't mean that we're doing parkour. Right? It's not a complete picture. We're yeah, we're we're stealing as as you know, we do being a very adaptive sport, we're stealing from another sport something that we respect and really value and we're pulling into ours. I think it's a bit of a trend in parkour right now to like to like post clips of just like doing difficult climbing challenges. I don't want to take away from anybody that's like mm-hmm. doing that because they're fun and I enjoy them and that's cool but it's not parkour you're just climbing you're doing climbing and that's cool it's a skill that definitely translates pretty heavily you know back to parkour and will benefit your practice but I don't think it's parkour yeah it feels like you you kind of need some form of jumping in there or launching for it to really feel like parkour and if you're always in contact with the obstacle and you never really leave it that's what I feel like it's hard for it to be labeled parkour. If you're always touching it, yeah, it's kind of tough. But I don't want to say it because I feel like yeah, there are some. It's a it's a it's a it's a big line. It's a gray area for buildering. So I say if you're never jumping or leaving the surface, launching in some way, transitioning fast, I would say yeah, you're climbing. Yeah, we're looking for the incorporation of the independent incorporation of. Um, some sort of uh, running typically Um, maybe there is a a jump or a climb and yeah that it's that it's that broader incorporation of multiple of of multiple movement disciplines right there right if you just do anyone if you just vault over stuff too that someone might also just be like that's just really boring parkour right it's not basic parkour yeah it's very basic yeah but the building stuff is really hard, but also very specialized. Yeah, it's true. So, and also you don't have to be on buildings to be doing parkour. Yeah. Back to what it's not. Like, if you don't build her, you can still be doing parkour. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's a pretty good way to look at it, too, is, like, can this be done 
elsewhere, or can I do parkour and not be doing this as an element of it? Yeah. I think Justin's point of like it has to have some sort of element of power to to be considered parkour. I think that's um, some might disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what well, I was gonna say something, but I think it might upset some people, so I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> I'll just keep it to myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think it needs to have some sort of element of power, whether that's a jump, a run. Um, I think to a degree, a bit of like speed climbing can be parkour if it's related to like a building or an urban environment, right? Like, so a wall run where you catch something and then you dyno to the top, right? So like a dyno, for those of you that don't know, is like a two, like where you're hanging on something and you use like an explosive pull down with both arms or one arm to like jump, essentially an arm version of jumping mm-hmm. up to something and you grab another ledge. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome like climbing move, so you can check it out, it's spelled D-Y-N-O. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so like if you do like a wall run, you catch a ledge, you dyno to the next one, you climb up and you keep moving. I would say that section, even though the dyno is a climbing skill, I would say that is parkour. Now, if you wall run to something, you catch it, and then you like wedge your toe in there, you do like, you know, you shove your hand in like a crack of a wall and you stem up there for a little bit. I don't know if I would quite call that parkour, depending on the complexity of it, right? Like climbing has much more complexity on the routes than parkour does when it climbs. Parkour tends to be about like, speed. Mm-hmm. Can you get to the top of there? Can you get there mm-hmm. quickly? Can you do it powerfully? And climbing is just, can you get up there on this tiny little nub? And something that I think will be difficult to define and one of the tougher conversations that we're, we're having here should help people with, they're out and someone's saying, oh, that guy's doing parkour on that. And, uh, or oh, that kid's doing parkour on that. And then you get this feeling like, oh, that doesn't seem, like, what about it doesn't feel like like that is. And how do I describe that difference to someone by just saying, like, oh, all of, like, climbing isn't parkour, and all of ninja isn't parkour, and all of OCR isn't parkour, right? Without sounding one, like, because you're going to deter people from your discipline or your sport if you're, like, if you act out. If way. you're elitist. Yeah. It, yes. If you're, and then you're in dismissive, right? So someone is just trying to make connection with you, and they'll be like, oh, look at that kid over there. He's killing his he's parkour. It's great. Like, nah, he's on a playground, so it's not real. Like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. then you're you're gonna run into trouble with that. But the so my my feeling is that you can explain um, this. This I think is one of the easiest things is is people who are doing parkour. What we tend to value and the spectrum of how parkour something is tends to increase when you pick if you can pick that person up and then throw them in in any real environment and they're able to reapply that competence and those skills. Right, mm-hmm. so mud is not really parkour, but in in if you get out in nature and we're doing parkour outside, and there is mud, and there happens to be mud, and you're still able to do something that would otherwise be really maybe simple in an environment where there wasn't a slick surface or mud, you would be like impressed by that person's parkour competence, right? Yes. You know, versus being in a dry gym with with some matting and some carpets and maybe surfaces controlled that are a bit a little more controlled environment, right? If you take that and take those exact same apparatus and you throw them out in a rusty junkyard, they're still doing parkour. As a matter of fact, more respectable parkour because it takes more competence to be able to do it in that environment. But at the center of that is, this isn't just over specialization i think parkour has deters over specialization to an environment not a skill parkour people will work continuously on their climb ups to make them better yep. or work continuously on their jumps or a flip but they don't but they actually value the general application of that meaning if i take my flip and i can do it in a gym you know yeah. at, at rocks maybe even in the water but we're going to value that right yeah so yeah that's a good point we do value that you can do your skill in multiple locations and not just one and we actually yeah look down on only being able to do a flip inside the gym on the spring floor or the air trick so mm-hmm. and we also don't like the courses that people build with so much control Right, so one of the way, one of the reasons that people don't like some of the more modern parkour courses for competitions is that they just seem too tailored. Yeah. Right. It's like we decided to move it exactly here because that's what's going to make the move more exciting, and you start manipulating the environment for the sake of the movement, not for the sake of seeing how the person adapts to the environment or applies their skill or their competence that shows shows through that. We tend to not value that as much. It's true, we do. And it, they're also just more entertaining to watch when you have a 
competitive course, a speed course that has multiple potential routes for, you know, the fastest, right? As, as opposed to like everybody runs the exact same line because they know it's a Mario Kart course and there's a shortcut here and the shortcut is just the way to win this course, right? Right. But if somebody is like, nope, my fastest route is different than his fastest route, that's cool. And we do value that individuality and the ability on an obstacle to inject yourself into it. I just think those margins are going to narrow, right? If we just take all, we're going on very simple obstacles like you'd see on a TV show or you'd see on a course that was picked up and just can travel places is that is that the margins of difficulty narrow and you don't see it's not as obvious and clear to people where where the real skill is showing through because you're dealing with like fractions of a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, we take pretty complicated course environments indoors and outdoors that the athletes have never seen before. And at the higher levels, they still manage to bring those times down to a tenth of a second in difference in what they do. And if you just make that all the same track, it's just really boring. It's really boring. It really is. Now, there is an element of that that in practice, I think, has value. So, like, it's just like in um, martial arts, you drill the same technique again and again and again. And then when you go into a competition scenario and a combative scenario, you're relying on your fundamentals to help you with all the potential variables. That's the same in parkour, right? So, you go and you dr- you're going to drill vaults at a certain height until you get competent in that. And then you're going to increase the difficulty and you're going to drill and drill and drill it, all with the intention of either of then applying that in a more... In a, in a less controlled environment, right? So it's the entire, and if the intention is to take it to less control, I think we value that more too. I'd agree. So we had some trouble with this because we, uh, so I'm on, a, on the competition committee for USPK, which is the US um, governing um, body for parkour. And we were trying to create some sort of um, guidelines or some sort of help with um, gyms and events that were going to run parkour competitions and we we're trying to be able to document and say this is this is what we will endorse or not endorse it wasn't even allow or not allow but it's like in order to be to qualify as a USPK um, you know sanctioned event we're going to we're going to ask that you um, you have this meet this criteria right and so we had this really tough conversation um, with a with a good number of people who were you know who were ex-athletes, who'd helped run events before, who'd done all, all sort of things. And we were trying to come up with some guidelines for that. And that's really where we came into the having a dialogue about if the course is dependent on like an apparatus, meaning like a pool or something like that, that we wanted to be free of that for the most part. Um, also bringing outside objects in to manipulate, right? So we talk in the past, and it, it was a fun showing of skill. But there was one of the one of the gyms had a comp in on the west coast, and had a an athlete. And I don't know that we don't know the context of the competition, but we have to imagine that this was in a competition that was that was that was a parkour competition because the gym had like a katana. So they did their they did their um, free running line right. So they did their style line of parkour on these boxes, and at the end they retrieved a katana and then threw a cork, right? I think that was a loose scenario. And we all sort of had this, like, in any other context, you would have been like, wow, the guy just did a cork with a katana, and you would have been impressed by it. But we sort of had this sort of visceral response. It's like, wait, why why is there a katana in the course? (laughs) And and so I brought that up in that conversation, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's not parkour. But we were like, why is that not parkour? Why can't we? Yeah. And and we said said it was... um, uh, the word I used was, um, not crafts. What is the props? Props. Yeah. Props. Yeah. So, the use of props, typically not, not parkour. parkour. Yeah, because it's. I mean, the movement's the same with the prop or without the prop. Maybe there's a little more difficulty in it, but it seems like you're using the prop to make the move seem more complicated. When I feel like it should be the execution that mm-hmm. is the focus, not the not the like adjective that you put in there so yeah but if you were doing let's let's take it back to like NAPC last year like double side pre still is dependent on apparatus what's the difference between a rail and a box and a bar or a rock and a branch 
and a katana. That seems obvious, but I'm just gonna throw it. <laughs> it's, it's, it goes back to like I was taking your question seriously for a bit. <laughs> it's it goes back to object manipulation, right? Like when you're doing a double side pre, the rail stays where it is, mm-hmm. hopefully, um, <laughs> or you know whatever you're landing on, like that object doesn't change and it stays the same for all competitors for all athletes that are then going on to that object Mm. or to that environment it doesn't shift right whereas when you bring something in like if you were going to do a double side pre with a katana that's you you you're technically manipulating the object because you're bringing a katana in and the it, it could be a hat it could be yeah and the incredible dangers aside of doing a double side pre with a katana. <laughs> the <laughs> fact that you just brought in stuff. a prop and Justin's point that that's, you're essentially bringing in an adjective to your noun mm-hmm. is not parkour, right? We like just the noun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we like about the noun is how you use it and what verb goes next to the noun. So this has to do with authenticity too. And I want to make this quick point in that there was a caveat in the in some of the guidelines that we wrote, or at least in the notes section, I don't know if we if we if we publish it or not. But the the observation I had made was it the the apparatus present right needs to be true to or of the nature of the environment. So if you have a parkour competition in Japan and it's in a feudal war museum, <laughs> right, and you're tearing through the museum. And at the end, you're going to throw a cork and you grab the katana off of the, the samurai as part of the museum and do the cork. Maybe you wouldn't get extra points for it, but I would say that's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's not okay. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's not okay to bring a katana into our gym and huck it and oh, huck your yeah, cork no, with that's, it. That's, no, that's not, not okay. To the gym. <laughs> I mean, like, in the in the realm of... Yeah, us specifically, that would not pass. That would not fly. There are, like, children around, and I don't want you throwing swords around. Right. Um, but in the realm of parkour, I still... I wouldn't say that it's, like, not okay. Like, if that's something you're proud of, post it, enjoy it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For Insta clips or something. Yeah, yeah. But I still would say, even if you're, like, in a Japanese, like, feudal museum, and right. you're doing a competition there, that, that's little move still isn't parkour it might not it's not it's just a fun it's just it's parkour yeah where you 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 know tipped your hat to something else to right it's a nod it's style points it's still not sometimes people say oh that's style points but if you're in a style comp then aren't they all style points but if you if you took it out if you were like and then you posted it somewhere else somebody would look at that and they probably would look at that and they would be like oh that was a cool flip with the sword they wouldn't say oh look at this parkour guy yeah right and that's a big distinction too, is like if you take that clip or that isolated movement or instance and say you post it somewhere else and a third party of people who know what parkour is generally and they have a decent idea of other sports look at it and they're not like, that's parkour, then it's probably not parkour. So people have a tough time defining these two words, improv, because we have like isolation, then you have integration, then you have improv. People mm-hmm. have trouble with improv, and they have trouble with authenticity. And these are things that I think we actually see popping up here. Because in one context, the context of timing and the nature of the environment, I think is really where you get true improv. If you're able to, if, if you're able to do something, because it's like a joke, right? Like if I tell a joke right now, uh, like, and it's funny, if I try to tell that joke again five minutes from now, it's not going to be funny. No. I mean, it may, if I, if my, again, if my timing is really good, it could be. And that's where I think some of this, some of this can, can sneak in. Because you would probably get some style points and that would, it could influence the judges if you did something like that in a style comp too. And I was, I'm talking to the lens of competition too, not just whether someone has the right to call that parkour or not. Yeah. Because they, they do. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say that. But I'm just saying like in, in the museum, you would be like, in the museum scenario, in our museum scenario, they, they would probably, it's similar to b-boy, right? So if you can imagine breakdance battles, like some of the the nature of the setting is is sort of like the battling of style. And if I do a move and then I, I you know take my shoe off 
and knock your hat off and then do a flip and land with the hat on and the shoe back on or some ridiculous <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. you know I'm gonna, like, that's gonna matter. Yeah, yes. But I think that matters because it shows that you had such a mastery of that technique that you were able to do it while external factors were happening as well. Whereas if you were doing your line or your set and you ran back and your friend handed you a shoe and you went in there, you did a backflip, threw it up, and then caught it, the judges would be like... Cute. Mm, Not going to win any points. Mm, okay, cool, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Where it comes in is that you've, you've entered with that and you did your entire set with it and you, you did your move, it came back onto you, and mm-hmm. you finished your set, right. right? I think that's there's a subtle difference there that it's like, maybe if you had run your entire style line with a katana. No, it's, I, it's, it's so what, if you're doing flips with weapons, it's martial arts. Let's just, it is exhibition martial that, arts. Yeah, you cannot they don't, steal weapons and do parkour. But they don't do it on obstacles, right? Exhibition yeah. martial arts is always on a flat plane. But I would agree with so you. You can't then do it it's just, you can't just, just, on flat. It's extra. It's extra. And if any of these like martial arts form, these sports where they do forms with weapons, looked at us, they'd be like, "Oh my god, they just stole that from us." And we can't do that when we're getting mad at gymnastics trying to do the same thing to us. We can't go over and do flips with weapons. And, yeah, and good. That's a, just, that's a good point. Can't do it. Yeah, hard hard stop. Right? A hard stop right yeah. there. Will you take it in style? No, no, we'll take it anywhere. I mean, then, this is then, tough because he's our style guy. Like, if we had a style comp, he'd be the judge. And this is tough. I'm, I'm disheartened. I, I mean, I, I agree with it. Like, because parkour was so focused on, like, what can you as an individual do with your environment that you've been given, rather than what can you bring into said environment, right? It might be different if, like, breakdancing had obstacles. Like, your set or your arena was always, like, they had one box in there. You know, which actually kind of might be kind of a cool... The theme was centered around that. Like the yeah. competition was focused on props, then sure. Yeah, but, but that's again, we're back to the nature of it, right? That's what makes it authentic. I think that's what brings the authenticity is that when you disrupt the, the context of the nature and something feels unnatural in that moment, mm-hmm. like it's so jarring. It's like, it's like if you were, you know, at the if you're at a comp and someone brought a fish out and like just had a fish and they were just like they just they greased the bars up with a fish first before doing the move and you'd be like that's not cool what do you do with that fish man they're just so jarring it makes no sense but who's a fish market and they were like okay so we're in Seattle and what's that district where they have all the like fish that they throw around and stuff what's that called Oh, it's some Seattle Park where people know, right? They're like, that's wah, 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 wah. The fisherman's... No, it's not the wharf. Dwarf. Wharf? Fisherman's wharf, maybe? Anyway, so, like, if you've got... (laughs) Yeah, but if Jesse LaFleur is there, and he's doing a style comp, and, you know, he he freaking does a flip over, over the stack of fish, right? And then he grabs a fish, and he lathers up like a concrete section and then shin slides down <laughs> jesse if you're listening uh, <laughs> that's totally us, something send he us a clip of that i guess send us a clip we'd love to see that. i want to see the fish the fish lubed shin slide <laughs> salmon lubed shin slide down the rail we wouldn't hate on him for it we'd be like that was yes yeah, he does those again, if, if it was if it was a Park, it was a parkour style comp with, in the fish market. In the fish and market. The premise was you had to use a fish prop. Oh, you have to have that as a premise, though? I think you have to have that. to, yeah. Because otherwise, I, think about like when people go into a style comp, do they automatically come in thinking, what's a cool prop I can bring in? No. No, right? but that's... And so there you go, right there. Just the fact that somebody enters a comp and they're immediately, they're like somebody brings in the prop and they're like, wait, we could bring in props? Dang it. Or but he didn't bring like, the fish. <laughs> he didn't bring the fish, but he still used the fish. Right, but he didn't even use the fish. Like let's say the okay. guy was like tossing fish and then the fish <laughs> spills and then he slides on the fish oil, the fish grease. If it was, if it was <laughs> incidental. Incidental, that's what I'm saying. Then maybe... 
That isn't that true improv. That is true improv, and that would be cool. Like if if you were in a you know a water park and one of the pipes busted and the water poured down right in the middle of your line, yep. and you rolled with it, no matter what, people parkour people would rave about that. But again, that's incidental. That's not you planned it. You aren't like right, right, right no. the pipe on this time. And if you, if somebody did do that, then you would actually have the opposite. People would be like, yo, that's not cool. Like that's not what you know we're about. So I think it has to be that like because otherwise. Let's say I go into a style comp and there are some like movable bars, right? And then, and I go into my style comp, I got a wrench in my back pocket. I run in, I'm doing my flips, I'm doing my flips, and I'm like, oh yeah. And then I do my line, people would be like, what? what? But that's very forced, right? Okay, I guess I talking snap about. the bar off and then I use it in my trick, right? People would still be like, what? Even though it was a part of the course already, yeah. and I repurposed it for my thing. I still think that prop is, uh, if maybe if I jumped on it, it broke, and then I was like, oh, shoot, and then I did something cool with it, because mm-hmm. I was just rolling with it, I would get style points for that, because I didn't choose that to happen to me. Okay, um, let me, this is a very potentially real scenario I'm going to give you. You tell me whether you'd score points for as it or not. As an official one? Not, what? As an official. As real me? as the fish one? Oh, this is more oh, real. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the fish one was freaking great, though. I'm waiting for that video. So, <laughs> uh, the, okay, so so it we're in we're back in the uh, the only time when I thought this was this is maybe going a little too far. We were talking Apex Internationals of 2016 or 2015, and Amos um, has the little kitty pond mm-hmm. where filled with water. Okay, now that was there as part of the speed course as to create sort of like it wasn't intended to be a used obstacle of water it wasn't going to be funny that you like maybe it was kind of tongue-in-cheek in in like a ninja warrior sense and that the kiddie pool is only like a foot deep right so if you fell from the bar into it it would not help you in any way it's not a safety element or anything like that it was just one of those like goofy things that got thrown in there as an idea uh or whatnot yeah it was just it was it was trying to redirect someone away from a route yeah. right the easier and, and we just yeah. and you didn't have a box to put there so you're just like well i don't want to touch this at all so we'll put a little kiddie pool here so let's say here's a hypothetical that could have happened you've got someone doing that is left there from this from the speed side style side kicks in okay someone is doing a line for the style side they hop in the kiddie pool real quick to get their feet wet and then they use that wet water to slide down a rail into a flip do you score it do you score it higher because yeah i mean i i think the if this competition was like near a fountain like we're talking like a cat fountain or something like that then i think yeah because you chose the location with the water then and you're also using your environment to benefit your style i think that's that is applicable yes But that's also not a prop, necessarily. So a pool is a prop. Well, yeah, if, if they, you set out a pool and you put it on the course. Okay, so cat fountain, I feel like, is easy. Because, yeah, that's that's that is, that's a abiding by the, of the nature of the environment thing, hands down. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no deviation from that. But technically, the pool was there as, as something to, to, for the speed course to, to deviate traffic. And then, I mean, it was there. It wasn't like, he didn't bring the kiddie pool. You didn't even know it was going to be there. <laughs> Right, the the style athlete. Let's say like whatever who was there that your DK or you know Nate Weston or something like that. That they didn't even know that that you know was gonna be there, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got like Dante's in the style comp. Now you're judging Dante, so he could be listening right now. <laughs> so you have to tell me that if Dante did yeah, that, I think I would take it. Okay, with with the pool being there, I would certainly not do the next comp with a pool in it. But if it was there, yeah, I think you'd have to count it because there is some. Uh, innate improvisation from yeah and general mastery of of the conditions that you're you're moving on so so yes yeah. parkour in that instance but but it's getting close <laughs> right there if Dante brought a pool yeah I can't bring the pool then it would yeah. not no because the it's it's too it's too it's too try hard right yeah it's too too intentional. It's just against the nature of, of what parkour is, which parkour is we're trying to see what is your mastery of your skills in a brand new environment where you only have minimal prep time, what can you do? Right? Yeah, we Whether that's that. run for speed or run for style, right? You didn't know what the environment was going to be. You didn't know what the restrictions were going to be when you walked up. 
we told you you had 15 minutes to practice. What can you do? Mm-hmm. And I think if you came in with something external, mm-hmm. that's against the nature of the, of, of the competition as a whole. And B, it's also technically, if we score higher, it's a disadvantage that other athletes don't get. Because right. they were like, wait a second, I didn't know that I could bring my grandma's like antique chair and use that in that Travis, who's a big fan of antiques, would score me higher. That I didn't know that. That's unfair. Antiques from feudal Japan. Yeah. yeah. So that era. <laughs> so I think I think that's in the competition format. I think I think yeah. that's not parkour if you bring your own prop. But if you utilize props that were either mistakenly mm-hmm. or incidentally are a part of the course mm-hmm. or the environment, then sure. That's just that's parkour where you like to adapt. Yeah. Adaptability. There you go. It's a key tenant. It's a key tenant. Uh, so you know to to answer that question about what it isn't, and it's really not an easy answer. I think anybody who wants to just sit down and tell somebody what parkour is is gonna it, it just in one sentence and in one interaction is gonna struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to say. You know, here's what we value. Oh, we value being able, being picked up and put in any environment and still be able to use our skills. Yeah. Right? And we value not concentrating too much on one technique, like buildering. We like a broader sense of of what we do. Um, We aren't trying to fight people or throw things or catch things. Nope. Right? We're not even really, like, trying... You know, the traditional parkour answer of, like, A to B is, like... I don't think that is really a thing anymore, except no. in a speed comp, right? Like nobody really posts Instagram clips where they're like, I'm starting here and getting here, unless it's like, I'm doing these moves there and it's, it's a, a showcase, right? Yeah. So I don't think really even that element exists in parkour as a whole anymore. It used to be that was the majority of the focus. Now it seems like that's kind of a minority focus and it's more about personal expression through movement and a demonstration of your mastery in differing environments. That's true. Parker also values the depth of the experience. Whether it's style or whether it's um, speed or skill, parkour athletes and people in parkour really values a connection with movement. And that's something I don't hear with, with team sports. You know, you, as a byproduct, maybe people are like, you know, a pro athlete, I love to go out and just, you know, the smell of the resin on my baseball just like makes me feel good, you know, stuff like that, right? Um, maybe, maybe the glove oil. The glove oil? <laughs> yeah. I actually, the resin smells what I miss from like Little League. That's not, no? We'd have, we'll have to ask, I guess, our pro baseball friends what, yeah. the, what the best baseball odor is. I think it's going to be baseball. Glove. What's the best parkour odor? Oh, there is not no good not. It's yeah. It's a fresh oh, breeze man. to blow away the body odor. <laughs> <laughs> Where deodorant? Uh, I, I like, yeah. Is that, like, is that a sign that like I'm, I'm getting old? Jaded? Like, yeah. Because Justin and I used to go to like jams as often as we could and like hang out with people and there's just a mass of like 60 sweaty people. And now I like I just, I get there and it, it just upsets me. I'm like, can I can we just do like small cluster private training where like there's there's like five of us, we all introduce, maybe sip a breve, hit some and lines, have great conversation, yeah. do a little bit of movement. And yeah, so that's just I think you're right. I think so that's just I would say maturity just in that and also post COVID, like no one's meeting at sixty people and not having hand sanitizer everywhere. So, you know, those days may be going just for that reason alone. But that's true. Um, but that should be another topic down the road now that we've answered this question so well that people should look forward to which I think we should talk about is why we all like to train alone yeah that is a good one why everyone should like to train alone at least some should be able to yeah. at least, you should be able to you should, like, should it. like it yeah you should like your oh, yeah. training and yourself enough to train alone that's um, good closing notes for me though I think it's worth mentioning always until I hear it die hardcore parkour Stop saying it. I don't want to hear it. Parkour, parkour, hardcore parkour. I need to just stop. Parkour, parkour. Please. I don't know. God, for twelve years now, <laughs> I've endured it on on nearly like so many times that I I cannot count it, and I still hear it today. It and, is not. And so again, it it's like I'll chuckle with you. I'll be nice to you. I don't think anybody's doing it maliciously. <laughs> You're just trying to connect with me, and I appreciate that. And I'll chuckle and I'll laugh and I'll be like, yeah, I love that episode. Um, and I love The Office. Stop, please, for the love of God. It's like, 
So this it's like every this time you meet a dancer, this announcement. For yeah, this is a oh, Jesse's parkour yeah, triggers. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It was funny like the first year, and now it's. I don't really hear it anymore. I mean, every once in a while, but I really I don't. It's not. It's pretty much gone. Yeah, I just. It, I mean, it's gonna cut deeper. That's why. The frequency's less, but it's gonna cut deeper. All right. Anything else that? So it's not. It's definitely not a hardcore thing. So. Doesn't you got anything else? I mean, the, the, there's I mean, there's clothes mani- manipulation too. Pasha's done that, so there's I mean, that conversation can keep going. But yeah, I think if oh, it's true, right? Yeah, the hoodie flips. The and, hoodie flips are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's cool, and that's. I wouldn't say it's not parkour, but I'm saying you're getting close. And I'm saying if you just if that's your focus, then it has to be the away. icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, it can't be the cake. Yep. It's sure. the punctuation, not the sentence. Yep. Set the light. The calligraphy, mm-hmm. the style. Style, style. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. But that being said, he also does most of those lines with the clothing on him and utilizes it as a part of his line. Yeah. Rather than he's doing his line and then somebody throws him a shirt. And then, I mean, I'm sure there's an instance of something <laughs> like that. But also, I think Pasha would, uh, would also state that most of what he does is he just likes doing yeah. it, right? He's not, like, going out to do parkour or free running or anything. He's like, I'm just going out to have fun and be me. It's authentic. It's consistent. It's a hundred percent. It's consistent in his character. So I think that yeah, and, authentic. and there's a medium too, like video competitions. Because someone said point this out to me, the video competitions are a completely different realm, and they're far more innovative and creative. And you'll see more of these manipulation techniques for object manipulation techniques in videos, and like the Red Bull competitions that we did. So. And that thing, it makes more sense, right? We did a video at a zombie rally. Uh, so... Can you explain that? Explain the zombie rally? Because I feel like you just kind of threw that out there and then went on without... We did a video at a zombie rally and oh, we move on. Uh, we can't yeah, kind of explain a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm trying to say that when, you're, when there's video competitions, you're making a video for entertainment. And so parkour yes. isn't quite the focus. It's creating a video that's entertaining mm. with the theme of parkour. And so the the possibilities are, are or the allowances are bigger mm-hmm. but if it's in a gym and it is a parkour competition like if it's going to put you in the olympics should that happen yeah right yeah for sure and you can't it's not not but yeah i've done because i've definitely done like a little dance routine on a picnic table where i flipped it upside down what's the goofiest thing you've done to to impress in a style comp oh um uh, that's i need to think hard on that one i feel like i've done a couple goofy things What's the goofiest thing you've tried to do to win in a speed comp? You don't do you goofy don't things, things on speed comp. Speed comp. <laughs> Dude, I see a lot of people doing goofy stuff to win. Like, to throw their legs in certain places, and there's like... Oh, yeah, but they oh, you think mean, that's like, going to help. Not, You're talking about like yeah. doing like 360 in a, in a speed course? Well, yeah, but sometimes people are like, <laughs> oh, well, I thought I would try the dive roll here, even though it's a six-foot drop, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unexpected. I mean, you definitely risk body and limb on a speed course when you're like... Yep, that's the fastest route, and uh, I guess I'm gonna jump. Guess I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like, I think there is. Uh, was that the 2015 the Invitational, where the the like the finish of course two oh, was yes. Yes. like literally like a nine foot pillar over the eight foot bar and the three foot bar. It's like you yeah. could do it, and uh, the finish line was on the ground there, and like I mean we all looked at it and we were all like. Yeah, that's the fastest. Is literally just run across the top of this bar and leap. But that ends up happening a lot of course construction. People are thinking the other side of it. You know, just to mention this is like from a facilitator point of view, you're oftentimes people are thinking, well, let's not put that here because people might do this. And a lot of things in course construction, you're thinking about is, well, actually, this isn't a great course because the the fastest way to do this is just to jump. Yeah. And someone's gonna do it, and we don't value that. That's not what as, we do. Yeah, as a course designer, you have to design it. With the intention of, like, preventing athletes from hurting themselves. To get the win. To get the win Mm -hmm. because, and I've said this before when we talked about our competition episode, I'm there to win. So that means I roll my ankle, but I win. You bet your ass I'm going to do it. Take the risk. I'm going to take that risk. Right now, if if the risk is I might break a bone, I won't take it risk because Mm. the trade-off's not there. But, like, bruises, scrapes. Yeah. um, You know, like, like, even, like, to a degree, like, rolled or sprained, like, joints. I will take that risk if it means that I'm going to win, if this, the gain on time is substantial mm-hmm. enough. So, yeah, that's that's a huge thing. An injury, injury, it's not a, that's not parkour. That's not parkour. We don't value not injury. We don't value that. No we're one's not, like, we man, that was a great fitness. We're not grip fitness. Not grip fitness. Parkour is not about 
how well can you suffer and keep moving? There are people who would definitely argue with you about that, but I would have to agree. (laughs) It It is less about that for sure. Yeah, well, find me one of those athletes and then... See if they still operate? And see if they still operate <laughs> 10 years from now when we're still doing parkour and hopefully they are too, but more pain. That's a great answer. I love that answer, by the way. All right, Justin, you seem a little concerned that, no, that you're going to no. be put on the spot for judging you. I thought right someone now. was going to watch one of my videos and go, Justin, you did this goofy thing here, and I've done... I, I do it a lot, but it's all on video. Do it during a competition. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that's fun. All right, you guys want to wrap it up there? Check maybe the next episode. We might talk about why you should love training alone. All by myself. All I wanna be. All right, cool. See you next time, guys. Later.